The Bible reading is taken from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. This is taken up to heaven. In my fourth book, The Office, I wrote all that Jesus began to do to teach until the day he was taken to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his spring, he showed himself to these men and gave me convincing proof that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of four days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. Wait for the gift my mother promised, which you have heard me speak about. For being baptized with water, and in a few days will be baptized the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or dates the Father set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up with their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, he said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back the same way you have seen him go into the in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Jenny. Uh, it is Pentecost Sunday, so we'll talk that a little bit, but in kept, keep your Bibles open to Acts chapter 1. That would be great. But to begin, I want to um, start out with a quick raise the hand kind of survey um, with all of you. Uh, could you raise your hand if you have joined us in the last five years? Or so? Raise your hand if you have joined us um, in the last five years. Or so. I know that people who have joined were not raising hands. Just raise your hand. <laughs> so, these are people who have joined us in the last five years. Uh, do that one more time. Ra- raise your hand high so other people can see. Um, how many of you have become Christian in those five years? Keep your hand raised. So one, two, three. So as you will see, um, in uh, this is the this is the uh, this was the in the first service as well. In the first service, I think about over 100 people raised their hands. Um, one person had become Christian in Chatin Church. Um, here, once again, most of you, um, are, over 50 of you, have joined in the last five years. A few of you actually have become Christian in Chatin Church. What this means is that. Our church has grown. It has grown by transfers of membership from other churches. It has grown by people um, have, who have joined our church from other churches. And I think this is one of the reasons why we're starting a series on evangelism. Because although we're very happy to have you um, in our church, um, one of the ways of living a healthy, fruitful church is that people who are not Christian are becoming Christian. In our church, we have this hunger to share the good news with others, and I hope um, at the very least you'll be pointing in the right direction in the coming um, sermon series on evangelism. Let's pray that God will speak us, to us today. Lord, we give you great praise and for the gospel that you've given us, um, and we pray that we will become a people who share the good news we've received with others. In Jesus' name, amen. I had the great privilege of working at Old Langham Place for a bit, and I worked with Rico Tice, who uh, was the writer and who is writer and the center of Christianity Explored. He is an exceptional evangelist. He's an evangelist through and through. He, he uses every opportunity that he has to speak about Jesus, especially to people who don't yet know him. 
Um, part of our regular duties as a staff, I had to do these uh, newcomers things where we give them a tour of the building of souls. And one of the things that we point out is the fact that also is a crown of the church. George the first um, funded and built the church and the final appointment uh, of who the there is actually goes through the Downing Street and the Prime Minister. But one of the things about that is it has this seal of the royal coat of arms at the back of the church. And I remember Rico standing up with this group of people who are visiting or who are new to the church, making it to an evangelistic event. I remember him saying something like this, you know, you see in the front, you will see the cross. And if you see at the back, you'll see the royal coat of arms. And this is the choice to have before you. Will you choose God or will you choose uh, the early king or something like that? And I'm thinking to myself, this is why he's the evangelist and this is why I do my job. Because he has the gift and he has this passion to share the goodness of Jesus every opportunity that he had. And we even do think of evangelism this way, don't we? Because we, we think evangelism is something that someone else who's more gifted than me does. Uh, some who is particularly gifted in this. To my dismay, I, some of you think of me this way. Uh, I've been invited to come to uh, hang members, uh, you know, and to share the gospel with them. Or, you know, somebody's visiting and have asked me to come and share the gospel with them. And the, all the hallways in mind, I'm thinking, well, I mean, I'm not that gifted in doing evangelism. And not only that, I think, well, you know that probably better than, than, than me. I mean, but they, we think that this is somehow some people gifted in evangelism. And that, that is true that God has set up some people to be evangelists. But this is witnessing, pointing to Jesus, is something that all of us, all of us are gifted in doing. Um, if you ask who is supposed to bear witness to Christ, well, I know the dread answer, but you know the answer is supposed to be all of you. This amazing verse, uh, verse 8, which is the outline of the sermon today, uh, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Sion to the ends of the earth. It says, you will receive power. And you will become Christ's witnesses. And you will do that in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and wherever you are. And today we remind ourselves that 2,000 years ago, power of the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit came on the day of the Pentecost. Jesus here to the disciples, look forward to the Holy Spirit coming. Wait for the Holy Spirit because he will come. But 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon all of the disciples. And since that day, we look back to the day. When did you receive the Holy Spirit? You received the Holy Spirit when you confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Christ is the Lord. God has given you the Holy Spirit. We look back to time and we go, you know, Christians are people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who have this living presence, living God in us. And what that means is you are powerful. You have the power to be His witness. In fact, it's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that made Jesus powerful. Christ depended on the Holy Spirit to do His ministry. I mean, you can take a look at verse, take a look at verse 2. Until the, the day was taken up to heaven, after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit, the apostles he had chosen. Jesus gives instructions to the apostles through the Holy Spirit. Christ relied on the Spirit. In fact, this is uh, most clear when we uh, look to the beginning of Jesus' ministry. If you have your Bibles open, uh, look at uh, uh, chapter 3, Luke chapter 3. Do you remember, when did Jesus' ministry begin? Uh, people ask me, why did just wait until he was 30, 30, or whatever it was, uh, to, to start in his ministry? I don't know the answer to that question, but I know when his ministry began. His ministry began when he was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Take a look at chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. At his baptism, at his baptism, as he was being, the heavens opened, the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And the voice came and said, You are my son, whom I love, and am well pleased. Immediately following the event of the Holy Spirit coming down on Jesus, he led by the Spirit. So there's a whole genealogy thing. And then uh, take a look at chapter 4, verse 1. There. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert. The Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the desert. He was led by the Spirit. After all temptation in the desert, he's led by the Spirit again. Chapter 4, verse 15, Luke. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And do you know what he does? After he returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, he goes into a synagogue. He opens up a soul from Isaiah, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he anointed me, preached the good news to the Lord, and so on. He begins his ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. He lives his life led by the Spirit. He lies on the power of the Spirit. You see, you are Christ-like in this way. Because when you, when you confess Christ, you have received it. God has given you the Holy Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit, that privilege that was given um, to just a few people in the Testament for specific tasks was poured out on the Pentecost day. That day, the heavens opened up and God showered down, ushered in a new time. A new time all those who confess Jesus as the Lord will receive the Spirit in them. And the hallmark of receiving the Spirit's power is that you begin to speak. You begin to speak. Um, what happened on the Pentecost when the Spirit came down? They began to speak different languages. They spoke in many, many different languages so that all the people who were there from all sorts of nations could hear of God for the first time in their lives in language. Um, and, and this is what has throughout Acts, right? Through the power of the Spirit. Peter, who previously, not, who was, was, uh, who was dumb, who couldn't speak of Jesus' name, when he denied Jesus three times. On that day, filled with, with the Spirit, he pointed to Jesus Christ. In a very bold way, he goes, you killed Christ. God raised him, made him our Lord. Speaks of Jesus. This is what happened to Stephen. As he's murdered in chapter 7. As he's being stoned, he points to Christ. He speaks of Christ. Filled with that power. Chapter 8. As early Christians were persecuted, driven away from their homes, they preached the Lord wherever they went. Is how Luke puts it. Chapter 8, 4. It's not just people in the Bible or in Acts. People educated, uneducated, young or old, rich or men and women, introverted, extroverted, Chinese, English. God has empowered every single one of us to speak of Jesus. You have what it takes to speak of Christ in you because you are, you have the Spirit. You might know the story of Gladys Eild, a poor non parliament maid, and she applied to be a missionary to China. She was told that she was um, too deficient in education, um, that she was able enough to learn Mandarin, speak and learn the, the culture, and have a significant ministry. And so uh, she was rejected. That is, was sure that she was called to China. Unable to find support, she worked um, in, as the parliament saved up enough money to buy a ticket out um, to um, Tianjin. She left Liverpool in October 15, uh, She had two pounds in her pocket uh, full, of, full of clothes and food. She left. By the time she died in 1970, at the age of 68, she had a very successful ministry among the Chinese. Had converted local men. She had, uh, she, she, uh, had converted, uh, uh, she had led 100 children um, through the mountains to Japanese, uh, Japanese invasion, established in an orphanage. 
Um, she spoke and read and wrote Mandarin fluently, but she passed away. She did that through the power of the Spirit. And that power that enabled Christ, that power that enabled somebody like Gladys, is in us. So we have to stop making excuses. We have to stop saying to ourselves, well, we don't, I know enough. I, 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 my, my life isn't good enough to speak of Jesus. We have to stop making excuses. And we have to start speaking Christ because you are able, you are powerful. Obviously, that is the mission. That is the reason why. You know, the Holy Spirit is given in chapter 1 of Acts, um, chapter 2 of Acts. Um, and the reason why the Spirit is given is so that people could become His witnesses. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses. One of the biggest reasons why the Holy Spirit comes is so that we become His witness. And the great thing about being a witness is that witness is a person who does not point to himself, but points away from himself or herself to something else, to someone else. I saw a driver run red light um, in the middle of the night, around 10.30 night. I was um, heading over somewhere in the U.S. Remember, uh, he ran red light and ran over the guy's foot. And so I stayed there, let the police come, and I told them what, they, uh, what I saw. A um, few... Uh, Maybe a week. I can't. Remember. Uh, I got a call from the prosecutor's office asking me to come in, and uh, I was really nervous because I thought some of my my life is going to be questioned, my character is going to be questioned. Um, but the prosecutor was nice. Um, she offered me, you know, she asked me in. She offered me coffee. She asked me a few questions about what I saw. Sure, there were a few questions about who I was and what I was doing. But really, was she was interested in what I saw from what vantage point, what time, uh, how uh, things happened, how people reacted. That's what she was interested in. And being a witness is about that, not who we are, but what we saw, what's out there. When we talk to others about our faith, often worry that we aren't good enough, we don't know enough, we aren't smart enough. But see, bearing witness is not dispensing wisdom from our life. It's not even about how we have been transformed by something. Bearing witness means pointing to the objective truth that is true of for me as well as for you. Something that happened outside of us. When we bear witness to God in Christ, uh, uh, when we bear witness to Jesus, we are pointing to Jesus. The fact that He is God, that He came down and He died and He rose again. We are pointing to Him. That's what it means at heart. What it means to be His witness. Point to Christ. What He has done. And that is what Peter did on the Pentecost day. He spoke of Jesus. 3,000 people converted. He wasn't his personal to me, although that is a good way of doing that. But when he spoke Christ, 3,000 people were converted. Stephen does the same. Paul does the same. And if they point to themselves, it's only so they could point to what God has done in their lives. So why aren't we witness? I think I can think of a couple of reasons. One is, one may be that uh, we are ashamed. We're ashamed. We're embarrassed. Uh, we don't want to cross the pain line, as Rico um, calls it in this book. Uh, this, is called, this is called Honest Evangelism by Rico. Great book on how to share our faith with others. Uh, there are copies of it in the stall, two copy. But he says here, well, evangelism is hard. Actually, when you do share the gospel with others, there will be a small embarrassment or that awkwardness that forms in that moment. He says, look, that's what it means to become his witness. We have to cross pain line, come out as Christian, and tell people about this, even if it's slightly embarrassing for us. Actually, it's more than, even if it's detrimental to us, we need to share the gospel with others. In that book, Rico shares what, he, what happened to him. 
when he was boarding school, he was known to be an evangelist, even at that age. Um, and his classmate at the school pushed four-page letter, not four-page letter, targeting him. Four pages of what he did and how this is, uh, this is a taste of uh, what he wrote. Rico, Christianity you find is just a fit you're going through. Don't let other people get caught up in your whirlpool of religious fantasy. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. No, just lost. He says that, imagine, first of all, this uh, teenage boy getting this newspaper all over the school. Target him. But uh, he also says that the last line, just get lost, has been modified, so it's fit to print and be read by Christians. Imagine what they might have said. As people who are given the Spirit, we must cross pain line and find a way to tell others about Jesus. Uh, find a way to let others know that we are Christians. We need to speak up. And if people don't yet know that you are Christian in the workplace, find a way to do that. Uh, tell, uh, find a way to get people to know that the, the reason why you do the work that you do, how you do it, how you treat others, is not just because you're a nice person, but because you are a Christian who has been transformed by the grace of Jesus Christ. Put up a Bible verse in your Bible or something. Bring up uh, uh, of Christ in conversations. Uh, we need to start bearing witness to Christ. Another reason why we might not witness to Christ is because we have not planned to speak. We haven't thought about how we might react to different circumstances. When opportunities arrive, what will you say? When your colleagues this Monday go, what did you do this past week? Will you cross that pain line and say, well, to church, there was this great this and the pastor, brilliant. You don't have to, it's the last part, but you might say, what can you, how can you bring up, how can you bring up what you heard with others? Will you cross pain line? When your colleagues confide in you, are you ready to offer them prayer? Um, are you ready to share the gospel with them? When you go on holiday with us, do you think about, how should I share the gospel with my Christian friends who I'm on holiday with? And my mother and I was here a few weeks back, and Mary and I, we, we thought and we prayed, how should, how should she share the gospel with, uh, with um, uh, mother-in-law? Mom, if you're listening, um, thank you for listening. <laughs> um, but uh, we are his witnesses, and we need to, this is a great privilege, and we need to find what to point to Christ. My uh, old boss uh, used to tell the story about, uh, about a friend who left the church um, in his uh, in youth. For many years, he didn't go to church, but a conference he was speaking at, he saw his friend sing in the crowd. Uh, he was surprised, asked, went to his friend and asked, what brought him back to the church? Uh, the friend told him, like, although I was disappointed in the church, although I was disappointed, hurt by many Christians, I couldn't shake off Jesus. More I thought about Jesus, more I wanted to know him. And in the end, that is what being a witness of Christ is about. We do not point to ourselves, but we point to the goodness of Christ. We find ways to say, He is our Savior. He has done this, not for me, but for you. You need to get to know Him. Are we witnesses? Would you prepare? Let's go on this week back to workplaces to think about how can I share my faith with my friends, with my colleagues? And we must do so because we are sent to our networks, to our friends, uh, friendships, um, to workplaces. Uh, if you look at verse 6, chapter 1, 6, where disciples ask, Lord, are at this time going to store the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Israel? The disciples are looking, to, looking forward to Jesus reestablishing the political kingdom of Israel. But Jesus did not to make Israel, um, to reinstate Israel. 
to make people from all nations, all sorts of people who would call upon his name to, uh, uh, for them to become part of the kingdom. As the disciples talk about kingdom of Israel, verse 6, Jesus himself, verse 3, talks about kingdom of God. And kingdom of God is made of people like us. People who, you know, Chinese, Korean, English, New Zealander, Australian, um, Norwegians, Germans, there are people from all over the place and all sorts of people in all our networks. So it must have been a surprise um, when, to the disciples when Jesus said that the gospel would go from Jerusalem, Judea, to Samaria, to the Maritans, the Hebrides, to the ends of the earth, to the idol worshippers. It went out there. And at the Pentecost, uh, the, it foreshadowed that event when they heard the people speaking from languages. But in obedience to the commission, people went out, didn't they? In this part of the serious Christian war began with Robert Morrison, uh, Morrison's arrival in Macau in 1807. And now in Hong Kong, there are over 500,000 Protestant Christians, over 300,000 Catholics here. But it going to these different places didn't mean just geographic lines. We're sent into networks uh, as well. We're sent to our places and friendships, and we are to be his witnesses there. Now, being his witness uh, means this that you become his ambassador, that you become ambassador of his kingdom. You are kingdom ambassadors. Paul calls himself ambassador as he is writing to Ephesians, and when he says, Pray also for me, that when I speak, war may be given me, so I may fearlessly make, make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. What Paul was is what we are. We need to pray about this, and that might fearlessly speak, but we need to own up to the identity of being an ambassador of Christ. Think about an ambassador privilege that actually is. Being an ambassador means that you are a citizen of somewhere else. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. But you live in a front world. We live here. We live in different networks. But we are ambassadors. We represent the king and the kingdom of God in our networks. But also, being an ambassador means it's a very, very skillful position, isn't it? You don't send nobody as an ambassador. You, you send a, a highly skilled person. And this person is person both the language of your home country, the culture of your home country, but also completely bilingual, is able to speak to the people of that nation, that culture. If I want uh, to start speaking, nobody will understand uh, what I'm saying. I need to speak Cantonese to Kongers. Obviously, this isn't about language. We are sent into our networks with their own culture and language there, and we need to learn of that. Uh, if you're sent into an engineering firm, learn all the language of that firm. Learn to do that work well so that you can speak to other engineers in that culture, speaking their language. If you're sent to a group of people who are hiking, find out all the hikes, take there and talk about that sort of stuff. Bring the gospel there. Learn of their culture. Be, be bilingual. Be bicultural. I spent this summer doing an internship with a Korean priest in Korea. And at the time, this was um, uh, 2001, uh, 2001, and all the young kids were playing Warcraft. Um, worked, and uh, he, was, he was in his 50s, and he was learning to play the game. Not that he can enjoy it, but he learned all the language and what it's about so he can speak um, to kids that he's ministering to. Because he felt there was this wide gap, and he wanted to lessen that. He wanted to learn their culture. He could speak them. So what are the languages that people are speaking in your soul networks, in your workplace, in your friendships? What are they talking about? Are you 
Are you an ambassador of Christ? Are you learning the language and culture of groups so that you might speak? You might be able to speak to that group. God sent his disciples, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to Hong Kong, to your friends, to your friends, to your social networks. Are you learning the language? Are you speaking of Christ in a way they would understand? You have the great power. Through the Holy Spirit, God has made you his and given you the power, same power that fueled the mystery of Jesus. You have spirit in you. You are witness to what he has done. And you are an ambassador sent out. Learn all the cultures around you. But not to be part of that culture, but to speak kingdom into that culture. Speak Christ into your culture. You're learning. And on this Pentecost Sunday, we find ourselves that it is really when God fills us with the Spirit. When he renews our joy in knowing him and, and he increases our love for him, that's when we will fill out and we will speak to others. So let's pray that God will do that. Lord, we give you great praise. Thanks not only for your Jesus who had restored our relationship with you through the death and resurrection, but we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that as he has removed all barriers, you are with us. And now we pray that you will renew our love for you, that you increase our passion for the gospel. And Lord, we pray that we'll be a church that grows not from other church members joining our church. Lord, we pray that Shatinch will be a church that is intentionally going out and sharing the news of Jesus Christ with others. And this year, we might see many, many people who don't yet know open their eyes and receiving life from you. We pray that you will shape not only minds but our lifestyle. The way that we do church, the way do we do, uh, way we live our life in order to be ambassadors for you. We pray now that you will fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name.